Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Howdy, neighbors. Welcome to our latest edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. This is podcast episode number six, and the journey today takes us to Tulsa. The just-concluded 2019 Tulsa State Fair is where we landed, had the chance to talk with a couple of individuals, and we wanted to share those conversations with you today. First up will be Roy Lee Lindsay, Executive Director of OK Pork, and then we'll talk to one of the high achievers in the youth division at this year's Tulsa State Fair, a senior from Amber Pocasset High School, Pace Middlestat, who showed the grand champion market hog at the 2019 Tulsa State Fair. Today, we're being powered by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. Their mission is to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of their water system members and the rural people that they serve. We'll be back with our conversation, first of all, with Roy Lee in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. Howdy, neighbors, and uh, welcome to the Road to Rural Prosperity. We are on the road today. I'm Ron Hayes, and and with us is Roy Lee Lindsay, the executive director of OK Pork. Uh, Roy Lee, you've uh, you've had the opportunity. We're we're actually at the the Tulsa State Fair as we as we speak uh, in the livestock barn area. A lot of kids, a lot of lot of adults are all mixing around with the, the whole bunch of hogs, a whole lot of cattle, uh, sheep, goats. We've got all the species here, and one of the things that's kind of on the back of the mind of folks like yourself and a lot of others that are in places of responsibility, how do we keep all these animals safe from a, from a, from a health perspective? The, the concept of the, I guess the cliche, biosecurity is that, is that sure. buzzword we're using these days. Why, 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 do we need to, you know, why do we need to pay attention to that? Well, thanks, Ron. appreciate the opportunity to visit with you a little bit today. But I think we need to start with the basic premise of what we're doing with, with animals as part of our show program and what some of those tenants ought to be. Because I think if we start there, then any discussion about biosecurity, any discussion about things we could do on the farm make a lot more sense. And I hope that, that it helps explain to, to the general public as well as remind our kids and our parents and our teachers what it is we're, we're trying to accomplish. So we, we would start with the notion that we're... We're 
working with our animals as a way to help teach our kids responsibility, to help teach them life lessons, etc. But one of those lessons is how to care for another another being, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and in that, we've got to start every day with the notion that we're here to provide appropriate care for our animals. And how do we protect the health of those animals has to be at the top of that list. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, the simple things people get all the time, adequate food, adequate water, bedding, shelter, care, see your veterinarian regularly, those things people get, and it's not, that's not a surprise, and, mm-hmm. and we don't have problems with our 4-H and FFA kids in that regard at all. But as we look at the additional challenges that are out there, and we start thinking about, you and I spoke uh, recently about African swine fever and the exercises that the commercial pork industry is going through to try to protect our herd health. What are some of the things that we can do that exhibitors can do, that teachers can do, that parents can do to help us take those lessons we're learning on a commercial scale and apply them back to our smaller operations, these show pig kids, if you will. And and the same would apply to goats mm-hmm. or cattle or whatever when we think about uh, foreign animal diseases, maybe not just ASF. We've been fixated, if you will, in the pork industry on African swine fever right. for the last 12, 14 months because of the impact it's having around the world. But before ASF, before we ever really worried about ASF, we talked about foot and mouth disease. And FMD is a disease that affects sheep and goats and cattle and hogs and would affect all of our livestock projects, if you will. And so the lessons that we're learning here, the things we can help teach our kids, the things that I think it's imperative for parents and teachers to pick up really apply across all species. Uh, We can focus them on ASF and use that as kind of the, hey, that's the flashing red light right now that it's got our attention, but this notion of protecting the health of our animals really starts, we start every day with that. That's why our kids make sure they've got fresh water every day, they've got fresh feed every day, that they have shelter and they have bedding and we clean bedding and we do all those things we've done for as long as we've had show programs, mm-hmm. we've done those pieces. Now the question is, how do we take that to the next level? Uh, how do we continuously improve on those practices we've been doing for years? And, and, and I think there's real opportunities there. And I think there's a real desire amongst our folks to do those things and to do them right. Now, uh, at the Tulsa State Fair, uh, I'm sure in a lot of other places as well, you've had conversations with other other folks that are involved with uh, the, with the show. You actually had a meeting here, I understand, that, uh, where, you, where you talked about some of these biosecurity issues and, and how, how serious uh, we need to take it. Absolutely. It is a, uh, as we think about protecting herd health, there are a lot of challenges that are just inherent with what we do with showing livestock. We bring our pigs together and we mix them together and we send them back home. And in commercial production, we'd never consider mixing animals together and then taking them back apart. Well, that's just not something we do. If we mm-hmm. mix them together, they're going right to market from, from that location. And in light of what we're looking at with African swine fever, in light of what we're looking at and how that could impact the show program, we've got to start to identify what are things we can do on the farm, what are things we can do to help us prepare for shows before you come to a show, what should show management consider before they have a show, what are those kinds of incremental things that we can do. Not looking to increase the burden on anybody, not looking to add work to the to anybody's task list, if you will, but recognizing that if we don't do some of these things, then we run a real risk of losing our opportunity to have these kinds of programs all together. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid that grew up, I raised cattle, my family had a small cow-calf operation, we raised showcase 
calves. I showed heifers all over the state of Oklahoma when I was in high school as a, a 4-H and FFA member. And I know the value that I got out of that experience. Mm-hmm. I know what I learned. I learned about competition. I learned about taking care of animals. I learned the responsibilities that go with that. Learned how to help my brothers. I learned how to help other kids in our 4-H club. All of those things that are so positive. But if we don't protect the health of our herd and we don't protect the health of our animals, then we're likely to lose all of those opportunities for everybody going forward. And that's the challenge we're trying to to address is how do we do that long term so that we preserve this opportunity for everyone to participate? We got kind of a a real life uh, check on that uh, uh, earlier this year at the Oklahoma Youth Expo. We did. Um, and and fortunately, as we work through the Tulsa Fair, we're, we're now at the end of the bear show. We're getting ready for the premium sale a little bit later today. And we've had uh, veterinarians going through the barns and, and no real issues with herd health this year. And so really pleased with that. The state veterinarian sent uh, some of his animal disease diagnosticians out to walk mm-hmm. through the barns. And they were here. I know they were here the last couple of days as I've been here for the market show. And they stopped by the desk to tell me yesterday, hey, we've looked at everything. We don't hear anything in the barn that tells us there's a problem. We don't see anything thing in the barn that looks like there's a problem and mm-hmm. we didn't have the issues that we had at, at the Oklahoma Youth Expo and I think that's a credit to our kids I think it's a credit to our teachers to our parents in that they looked at their animals before they came and an animal that wasn't uh, up to par that wasn't healthy didn't come to this show I mean mm-hmm. we didn't have challenges with somebody coming in with PED whether it came in on somebody's shoes whether it came in with an animal whatever that case was, we didn't deal with that this year like we did in the spring at OIE. And again, I think that's a testament to folks learning from that experience, knowing that, hey, we don't ever want to go through that again. Now, what do we do differently? We know there were some families that presented pigs to a veterinarian that that said, hey, these pigs may may have some issues. They visited with the vet in consultation with their vet. They stayed home. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a hard decision to make. Wow. If you're the kid to say, I've worked all summer feeding my hogs because I want to come to the Tulsa State Fair, and my choice here is I have animals that need to stay home for their own health so that I protect the health of everything else, or I get to go do what I've been working toward all year, the right choice is always keep those animals home. Don't mm-hmm. expose everyone else for the health of your own animals as well as everyone else's. And these kids made that decision. These parents and teachers and veterinarians made that decision, and that's a real positive. Okay. Okay, that's the way things are supposed to work. That's the way they need to work. And if we do those things ourselves, then we don't need an outside body to come in and regulate for us. We don't need somebody else to come in and tell us how to do it. Right. But we've gotta, you've got to have a relationship with your veterinarian that when you see an animal at the farm that's off feed, that, that is exhibiting symptoms or signs of illness, that you call your veterinarian out to look at those animals. And, and you listen to the things he tells you. And then mm-hmm. when he says to you, hey... We have a real, I think this is a real concern. Maybe you should consider not taking these and mixing them with others. Then we've got to listen to him. And we've got to respond to that advice from our veterinarians. There are trained animal health professionals. And when we do that, we make good decisions. And those positive decisions, as difficult as they may be, those positive decisions are things you learn more in life about and learn more in life from, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than you do coming and competing and winning or losing or whatever the case may be. I think those challenges, when you have to overcome that challenge, you take more away from it, and it shapes your future better, if you will. I mean, we all talk about you you, you learn more from adversity than you do than, than the easy times, if you will. And sometimes those decisions are really hard. But this was an example of a family that made a sound decision, and, and their decision benefited everyone else that was here. We've got folks from town that have, that have never 
been on a farm or it's been generations uh, since their their family had a direct tie to agriculture. They come, they want to see the animals, they want to get up uh, close to them. Uh, is are there any health concerns that they should be uh, be wondering about? Yeah, if you're if you're here as the general public and you want to walk through the barns, great. We we welcome you to come to the barns. There are things that I would encourage you to do and not to do. I mean, just in general. Mm-hmm. So one is. If you want to go get a corn dog, go get a corn dog, but eat it out on the midway. Don't don't carry it through the barns. As you go through the barns, all of our barns around here have hand washing stations. If you if you get in proximity to animals, wash your hands before you go eat something. Mm-hmm. If you touch an animal, make sure you go wash your hands before you before you go eat or drink or whatever the case may be. Those kinds of things are simple. Um, stills al- still allows the public to come see our animals, to interact with our young people. I love to see a family with young children come through one of our barns and connect with a 4-H or FFA kid and say, hey, can I pet your pig? Can I whatever? And the appropriate response always is to ask that exhibitor first, mm-hmm. is this acceptable? And if it's acceptable, then to allow the exhibitor to, to, to help you do that, show you the right way to do it, and let them answer questions for you. Ask those kids how they take care of their animals. If you're concerned about what we do, talk to some of these 4-H and FFA kids. And my guess is you're going to walk away with a, a, a much greater appreciation for the kids that are in our program. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always believed these are the best and brightest kids anywhere, these 4-H and FFA kids. I'm a product of this program. I, I, we've watched, you know, we, Secretary of Ag's a product of this program, the yeah. state of Oklahoma. Congressman Lucas proudly got his FFA jacket hung in his office in Washington. We know we're raising really good kids, but when, when they can interact with the public that's otherwise kind of removed from us, then, then that's how we really demonstrate the quality of these young people, quality of our kids, and the quality of what we're teaching them in this program. And that's why protecting this program so important to me personally. It's mm-hmm. important to us, the Oklahoma Pork Council. And, and yes, we have an obligation also to help protect the commercial pork industry in the state. But mm-hmm. we have an obligation to protect the health of all the pigs in the state. And how do we best do that? We're talking with Roy Lee Lindsay of the Oklahoma Pork Council. Roy Lee, as we kind of wrap up uh, this time, uh, you indicated that you've had, had some, uh, some uh, conversations with folks in other states that they are uh, dealing with some of these things, you know, same things. And how do they do anything a lot different than what we do? Oh, it's it, there's no comparison to the things we do in Oklahoma with, to to what's happening in other states. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, number one, our show program is so much larger in terms of scale than almost anywhere else in the country mm-hmm. that it's hard for other states to appreciate that. Um, there's a state back east that made the decision this uh, May or June that they were essentially going to go to uh, all market bearer shows would be terminal. Whether that was the local show, whether that was the county show, whether that was a jackpot show, the state fair, all those shows would be terminal. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about this from an Oklahoma perspective, we've got kids that go to jackpot shows and they go every weekend and they start 60 days, 90 days, maybe even 120 days out in front of our big shows in March and, and here in the fall. And we well, t- Tell folks what a jackpot show is. Well, a jackpot show would be... Uh, think of it as a weekend baseball tournament. If your kids play baseball, I mean, if you're if you're if if you're trying to explain this to folks that that don't participate mm-hmm. in a livestock show, yeah. this is the local soccer tournament. Your kid plays in the Cordell soccer team, and you go to the soccer tournament this weekend, or the baseball tournament, or softball game, mm-hmm. or volleyball, or whatever else it is. But it's a place that you go to measure yourself and your team against others. Others in your area. Mm-hmm. A local jackpot show would be the same thing. It's how our kids get experience showing animals in front of a judge and listening right. to the judge critique animals and working their way through the show system. And we would have those uh, almost every weekend. 
Um, we, we'll have probably starting the 1st of December, we'll be back into jackpot season again, and, and folks will be out showing hogs, and they'll show them all through December, January, February, leading right up to the Youth Expo in March. So we're going to get to Of course, these other species have those oh, yeah. type of events, Steer shows. Yeah, We've right. got steer shows, heifer shows, mm-hmm. sheep shows. We've got sales everywhere where folks are raising these animals and then selling them out to the public. So right. We've constantly got our kids coming together. Um, we need to, to focus on that. So if you think about it in that term, so I was a 4-H agent in Norman for a couple of years, and at that time, uh, you know, we had, were Moore, Norman, Noble, Lexington. Every one of those communities, their FFA chapter had a local FFA show. Okay, right. and they brought in the 4-H and FFA kids from that community. And then we had the county fair or the county spring livestock show. And then we had a district show. And then, oh, by the way, we went to OIE or to the Tulsa State Fair in the fall. So that's just four if mm-hmm. we only did those things that were immediately connected to us and then the big state show. So if we went to a program that was 100% terminal, and I'm not advocating that right here. I'm just saying this is the impact. Our kids would have to go from feeding two or three or four bears to try to have something to go to Tulsa to needing to feed 10 or 12 or 14. The cost goes up astronomically. The impact goes, I mean, their workload goes up at, you know, to the point that it's harder for them to be as good with all their animals as they were with a smaller number. Uh, it's a real challenge. It's a challenge mm-hmm. economically for our guys that sell show pigs. If I've got to buy 10 of them and I only have this many dollars available, then I can only spend so many dollars a pig, and that reduces how much I can spend. If I'm making my living selling show pigs, you're going to reduce the amount of money I can make in that regard. So as we think about uh, what we know, we started with kind of a discussion about uh, African swine fever and foreign animal disease and how mm-hmm. does that impact show pig business. What we know from talking to the veterinarians, the state veterinarians, to, to USDA vets, if we get a foreign animal disease outbreak in the United States, the show program is going to stop until that outbreak's under control. Right. Until that outbreak is eradicated and we're contest and document that we don't have animals that are ill. All of this show program stuff's going to stop, mm-hmm. and it's not going to wane off. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to taper off. It's going to stop immediately, and it could be months or years before it ever returns to certainly to the prominence that it is today. Uh, for folks that are a little bit older, they'll remember in the mid '80s when we had to cancel the spring livestock show, the bear show at the spring livestock show because we had an outbreak of pseudo rabies in the state, right. and we didn't want to mix our pigs together. So, if you're old enough to remember that, think of that on a much longer longer term, a much larger scale in terms of what would an ASF or an FMD, foot and mouth disease or African swine fever break, mean to our show program. The simple fact is it would put all of it immediately on stop, and there's no guarantee that we'd ever get it started again. We don't want to see that for our kids. We're looking for, in the commercial industry, we're looking for young people who know how to work with animals that want to come back into Mm -hmm. our farms and help us with what we do every day. These 4-H and FFA kids are perfect for that. We don't want to take away that opportunity for them to learn how to work with animals and the rest of it. So we've asked uh, ag teachers, we've asked show pig breeders, we've asked folks within that industry to help us understand what things we could better do. And mm-hmm. I'll give you a simple example. Everybody that hosts uh, a livestock exhibition in the state of Oklahoma, especially on the pork side, can get a license or a permit from the State Department of Ag for that operation, for right. that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not required today. Uh, it's a voluntary piece. But what it allows us to do is know that should we have an issue at this location, we then know who was in charge, who do we call. I, I got a, a pig comes home and he's sick, and the veterinarian says, where have you been? Well, I was at the jackpot show at Anytown, USA. 
And so we can go back to any town and say, okay, here's your permit. This is the guy in charge at any town. Do you have your records of who was there so we can contact them to make sure their animals are healthy, that their animals are all well? Mm-hmm. No, and the whole point there is to help us identify where we might have disease issues, mm-hmm. prevent further spread of disease, and eliminate disease. Those are the, that's the challenge that we've got is um, we, we want to be able to stay in front of those things. And without that permit, we don't know who was at the show. We don't know who to contact to ask about the show. And we're running around trying to find that information mm-hmm. instead of being able to pull it up very quickly and, and move on it. Right. That's a simple thing that anybody that's participating can do. Um, you know, if, you've, if, you're, if you're one of the, the committee members that's managing the local jackpot show or the county fair or the spring livestock show or whatever, right. mm-hmm. just make sure you reach out to the Department of Agriculture and ask. There's no cost. They'll help you fill out the paperwork if you need it. It it shouldn't take you five minutes to do. Mm -hmm. But it's just a positive thing that you can do to demonstrate that, hey, we're concerned about herd health as well. Uh, Have a veterinarian on site as your animals are unloaded. Let them inspect your animals and make sure that they're that they're healthy, that they're, they don't have something that's got a respiratory issue or doesn't have, um, doesn't, do, isn't demonstrating some symptom of, of illness. Right. And maybe it costs you a little bit to have the vet there all day, but it, that's worth that investment, if you will, to protect the health of our animals. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're starting with here is how do we best protect the health of our animals so that we can protect this whole program that we all love and, and want to continue into the future. I guess you might call that doing the right thing, for sure. Yeah, we, we've said for years that, that within the pork industry, we've got a set of ethical principles that we really boil down to mm-hmm. doing the right thing and, and do it every day. Mm-hmm. And we know we can always get better. Mm-hmm. We know there's always room for improvement in everything we do. And, and that's what this is about. How do we continue to work to get better at what we do, better kids, better parents, better teachers, better livestock, and to take better care of all of those pieces, because this is also about taking care of all those pieces mm-hmm. um, as we go forward. So, yeah, doing the right thing and continuing to get better at doing the right thing. Really, thank you for your time. Really, Lindsay, join us today from OK Pork. Thank you, Ron. And uh, we're going to be back here on the road to rural prosperity. More from the Tulsa State Fair in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless. Let's continue the journey on the road to rural prosperity. Stories for rural Americans. Once again, here's host Ron Hayes. Howdy, neighbors. Ron Hayes with you today. We are back on the road to rural prosperity at the Tulsa State Fair. We're talking to one of the high achievers here at uh, the 2019 uh, State Fair, uh, the winner of the Market Barrow, the, the Market Hog Show, a young man from uh, Amber Bocasset uh, High School, member of the FFA chapter, senior at uh, an FFA this year from uh, from Amber Bocasset, Pace Middlestat. Pace, t- tell me a little bit about uh, your your current hog operation. How, how many how many pigs do you are you trying to care for on a regular basis? 
Uh, currently at the farm, we have about 15 show pigs, and they'll be their target show is for anywhere from January to March. Uh, typically, the number stays pretty steady at about 15 to 20. Okay. Are you are you trying to raise any of your own, or are you trying to buy them uh, exclusively? I got started raising show pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what my dad did. And then uh, last year, we actually quit raising them. I'm going to move off to college, and dad can't handle it by himself. Okay. So you're you're making that little bit of a transition then. Yes. Let's, let's back up. Let's find out a little bit about your uh, your career in, uh, in both 4-H and in FFA. When, when did you start, Pace? Uh, I started showing pigs uh, at five years old, mm-hmm. showing gilts, which okay. is the earliest you can start. And I showed pigs as a 4-H'er every year, every year since. Got in the FFA my freshman year, and I've been showing pigs my whole life. So why, why, why pigs? My dad has a background in it. Uh, it actually goes generations back. Okay. My grandpa raised show pigs, and consequently my dad. It's all on my dad's side. He raised show pigs in high school and uh, worked for the National Swine Registry. Uh, so he kind of passed that mm-hmm. passion down to me. So you were uh, we're literally talking about it's kind of a kind of almost like a pedigree. Yes, yes, <laughs> it goes way back in the pedigree. Okay, so uh, you got started. Uh, you, you're showing uh, in in 4-H for what several years, obviously. Several, yes. Okay, so t- tell me about some of the highlights before this weekend, before the the Tulsa State Fair winning winning the championship. Excluding this week, probably the moment I've been most proud. My show pigs was whenever we raised the champion Yorkshire at Denver. My I did not show it. My mm-hmm. sister did. Uh, we got to go out on the green carpet mm-hmm. at Denver, Colorado, and that was a really cool experience for me and my family. So that's the National Western. The National that Western. That is one of the premier shows in the country, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of those shows that actually uh, allows kids from, from all across the United States to compete and enter. So that, that, that's pretty special, isn't it? What made it so special was just that me and my family raised it. That pig never left our barn. He was oh. in our hands from day one till the very end. So it was really special for us. That's, that's, that's cool. Now, what other what are, what are shows have you been to through, through your career? Uh, nationally, I've been to the World Pork Expo, which is in Des Moines, Iowa, the National Western, which we just mentioned, and the American Royal in Kansas City. And then I exhibit every year at the Tulsa State Fair and the Oklahoma Youth Expo. And, of course, then you've got some local shows, too, right? Yes, we have our uh, chapter's local show. We have our county fair, like everybody. Uh, I attend the state fair mm-hmm. every year, and then just jackpot shows throughout the season. And so, so as you've done that and you've transitioned to uh, to market hogs now the last few years, mm-hmm. kind of walk us through. You know, you're you're looking for a pig or two, uh, a a male f- hog or two to add to your stable, to your to your uh, string of pigs. What do you do? How, where do you go to find the pig that you want to add to your herd? One of the big things that we focus on whenever we buy our show pigs is having people that we go to every year mm-hmm. that we're loyal to and they're loyal to us and they can get us the right show pigs for a reasonable amount. Uh, as far as what we look for in the pig, structure is number one. they got to be built for the long haul, uh, built to show six months essentially from when, whenever we buy them. Mm-hmm. Um, so build and then obviously just getting all of the physical pieces and parts that you want in a show barrow. Now you've got uh, you one with a crossbred. Are you kind of partial to the crossbreds? We like to show hamps and crosses. We like to show belted pigs, black pigs. Uh, 
We used to show purebred Yorkshires mm-hmm. a lot back whenever I still showed gilts, and we had a purebred Yorkshire sow herd. But recently, it's just been crossbreds. And uh, explain for somebody that really didn't know a lot about well, when we start talking about these animals, these show animals, what is a crossbred? Crossbred is, nowadays, they're a mix of all sorts of different breeds. They probably mm-hmm. have most of the breeds in them. Back in the day, a uh, crossbred was in, called an F1 cross, mm-hmm. and that only consisted of two breeds, two purebreds of different breeds mixed together. But I guess what the uh, uh, the classic uh, idea of of that is that uh, heterosis it gives, it gives you that genetic uh, uh, kind of super supercharge on, on a pig, right? Yes, you take the best characteristics from mm-hmm. multiple breeds to mm-hmm. hopefully make better livestock. So to tell me, what have you had to learn to be successful to get to this point of being able to show at a high level? A tremendous, tremendous amount of patience mm-hmm. because. Okay. It does not come easy, and it does come with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, I can assure you I was not at the level that I am now as far as being a better showman or even having the quality of livestock that I've been able to show recently. It all comes with the learning curve, but if you really try and put the effort into it, it will come, and you will be successful. So as, you, uh, as you've gone through your, your show career, as you've been able to, uh, to achieve what you've been able to achieve. What do you, what do you think that's taught you uh, that'll prepare you for life? I can definitely say that all of my current successes have come from my past failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's applicable no matter what stage in life you're in um, because things are not, they will not always be easy. There's going to be hard times and there's definitely been hard times in the barn, even with this set of show pigs I had right now, which was obviously very high quality. Mm-hmm. There was definitely ups and downs involved with that. Even here at the show, in three days, it's been a roller coaster trying to get those things ready. So learning to be patient, learning to take everything with a grain of salt and always keep your head up. Beyond the show ring, what uh, what, what, are, you, what are you involved with uh, with the FFA program at Amber Pocasset? Uh, I'm a public speaker. I give prepared speeches. I judge livestock. I actually judge livestock today here at the mm-hmm. Tulsa State Fair. And I'm on our animal science quiz bowl team, which uh, is essentially just a quiz bowl type deal about uh, our animal science curriculum in ag class. What sort of questions do they ask? Um, They ask a lot about breeds of different Uh species, the history of where these breeds came from, uh, anything from meat science to plant science. It covers it all. Right. So... Let, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's what's uh, in, in your future. You're, you're kind of making your. Are you going to show past past your senior year in all likelihood? I will not. No. Okay. So you've got uh, this is your kind of your final year. You're making your final tour. Yes. And so still ahead is what maybe Denver and of course uh, OYE, right? Yes, I will go to Kansas City actually mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. Pretty soon. Yes. So we're getting ready. Okay, and you plan to do uh, National Western again? Yes, we have bought uh, we have a set of pigs on feed for Denver. Now, if they'll turn out and feed, mm-hmm. we'll kind of decide if we'll go. But we're planning on it for sure. And so you're gonna you're gonna look at them very critically and say, uh, is it worth the, the travel to Denver? Or it's not? because these national shows are a huge expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you definitely want to make sure you have a good one. Right. And of course, then in March you've got uh, the Oklahoma Youth Expo, the, the world's largest. Yeah, that's right, the world's largest junior livestock show. Mm-hmm. So planning, planning for that most, most certainly, right? Yes, that that'll be the one that we put our, most of our efforts into financially and as far as just a number of pigs. One question about OYE. 
In other words, as you show, as you uh, as you let that judge see, that sift judge see your animal for the first time, what's going through your mind? That is the <laughs> climax of nerves. You know, I've been showing there now for, what, eight or nine years, mm-hmm. and it's still every time. It may even get worse every year. You know, as I, as I think, because every year you think you've got the best pig in the barn. It's just mm-hmm. human instinct. Mm-hmm. So whenever you hit that siftering for the first time, it's just a roller coaster ride of emotions and a huge relief whenever he points you through to the next ring. And so he's going to send you on up the hill, yes. and then you're going to let that next, uh, the main judge, take a look yeah, at what's going on. Yeah, it's relief for about five seconds, and then you're like, oh no, <laughs> it's about to happen. Got to get him to pay attention to your pig. Mm hmm. You'll basically be uh, hanging up your career as as a showman here later in 2020, in the, in the spring of 2020. What do you think the, the lessons of life really have been for you as you look back? Hard work is the main thing that this has taught me. Mm-hmm. And that's just for obvious reasons, the amount of care it takes to for any species of livestock to get them to this level, mm-hmm. to get them presented and looking the best they possibly can. As I've done this, uh, we have deep family ties to this industry, to this sport. It's taught me to do everything, to involve your family with everything you do, because it does make it easier. It does make it more fun, makes the, makes the good times better, mm-hmm. and even the bad times better. So that's probably my biggest takeaway from this. Pace, thank you so much for your time. Join us today, Pace Middlestaff, from the Amber Pocasset FFA chapter. He won the uh, overall Barrow Show uh, with his top crossbred, the Grand Champion Market Barrow. And uh, we're a couple hours away from you'll know exactly what the payday is Mm -hmm. uh, and the premium sale here uh, for 2019. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Pace Middlestaff with us today. I'm Ron Hayes on the road to world prosperity. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.